So our gospel account this morning on this third Sunday of Advent comes to us from the third chapter of the gospel according to Luke. I'm beginning at verse 7. When the crowds of people came out for baptism because it was the popular thing to do, John exploded. Brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to deflect God's judgment? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a child of Abraham is neither here nor there. Children of Abraham are a dime a dozen. God can make children from stones if he wants. What counts is your life. Is it green and blossoming? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. The crowd asked him, then what are we supposed to do? If you have two coats, give one away, he said. Do the same with your food. Taxmen also came to be baptized and said, teacher, what should we do? He told them, no more extortion. Collect only what is required by law. Soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He told them, no shakedowns, no blackmail, and be content with your rations. The interest of the people by now was building. They were all beginning to wonder, could this John be the Messiah? But John intervened, I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main character in this drama, to whom I am a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life, a fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. There was a lot more of this, words that gave strength to the people, words that put heart into them. So here we are on the third Sunday of Advent. We're just 12 short days from Christmas Eve, and I hope you've included Christmas Eve in your schedules this year. It truly is uh, not just my opinion. It is your appointed place to worship Jesus, your Lord and Savior, especially on Christmas Eve. And so I hope that you will attend because the message that Jesus brings, which we have been celebrating all Advent season, we started with the message of hope and then the message of love. This morning we're talking about the message of joy and the fourth Sunday of Advent will wrap up with the message of peace. We're just 12 short days from Christmas Eve. Is your schedule full already? Is your shopping done? Are you preparing your home to receive guests? Are you getting ready to travel to visit family and friends? I know Angela and I are. And we won't get to do it till after Christmas, but we're going to do it. 
It's a busy time of year. It's a happy time of year. It's a time of of joyous expectation. It's a time to hope. And for John the Baptist, it's just 30 years since the time of the advent of the Messiah into the world of humanity. Coming into the world at a time when humanity had lost its way and there was desperate need for a Savior. Wait a minute, that's today, isn't it? Not much has changed over those thousands of years. But in this passage of Scripture, 30 years later, the infant Messiah has grown into manhood and is on the dawn of His earthly ministry. And some were looking for the Messiah, but most were looking in all the wrong places. And 2,000 years later, nothing's changed with the state of humanity. We're still in desperate need of a Savior. And there are many who are searching Now, just like then, most are looking in all the wrong places. But see, those of us who know Jesus personally, those of us who have him in our hearts, we are blessed to see real joy in this Advent season. That's the hope that's promised to us in the gospel message. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 See, in the time of John the Baptist, the message of the coming of Christ was good news to many and not so good news to others. Depending on which side of the righteousness fence you stood on. John's message was not a sugar-coated, feel-good message. I mean, when you start out your message with you brood of vipers, as he greeted those who showed up on the shores of the Jordan seeking to be baptized, not because there was any real spiritual need in them, it was just the fad. It was the end thing to do for many of them. It was like the TikTok dances of today. Hey, let's do TikTok. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar. I've just, you know, I've got younger grandkids. and Anyway, it was the end thing to do. I mean, I remember things like the ice bucket challenge. Remember, everybody was doing the ice bucket challenge. And so everybody wanted to do the ice bucket challenge. You remember the ice bucket challenge? That was, how long ago was that? It was so relevant. Everybody wanted to do it. And now nobody even remembers it. The what? The ice what? Now it's TikTok. But the point is, everybody wanted to do it because everybody was doing it. What they didn't understand as as they looked at John the Baptist, his life was simple and it was not of the culture. It was counter-cultural. See, that's the thing about fads. They're cultural. It's the trend of the culture. Christianity is not that. Christianity is counter-cultural. John's life was simple. 
countercultural. He was radically different in lifestyle and dress. He chose to live his life in righteous opposition to the corruption of the culture. The corruption of the world. His message was also countercultural, as he proclaimed that something very new, very different was about to break into the fallen, broken world in such a magnificent way that the world would be forever changed. And he wasn't quiet and gentle about it either. His, the delivery of his message was brutally Honest. His message was a promise and it was a warning. He told them, I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. What does fire do? It consumes, it purifies, it burns up the dry and the dead, reducing it to ash. The idea of the coming Messiah was wonderful and terrifying depending on your point of view. And it still is today. See, John's prophetic words were troubling and harsh and carried the weight of conviction. It tore open the hearts of humankind and exposed whatever was inside. That's the way the light of truth always does. Many of the Jewish people in John's day had this fatal flaw in their character. They believed themselves to be untouchable, above reproach. Uh, in today's terms, we might say they thought they were bulletproof, immune to all the things uh, the, the, um, uh, immune to ridicule and reproach. They thought themselves irreplaceable in God's plan and somehow exempt from this need for a Messiah, a Savior. They would say, we're the children of Abraham. John had a response to those people and it cut them to the quick. He said, I, I tell you, God is able to make children of Abraham from rocks, from stones. Don't think you're special. Don't think your lineage makes you a protected class because it doesn't. What counts is how you live your life. What counts is where you place your faith. What counts is what you believe and in whom you believe. That's what counts. Counted then. For the Jewish people, it counts today for everyone. And that's the thing. John's message to the people back in his day is just as valid today, right now, as it was back then. It applies to us. Whether we choose to receive it or not, If John's message was of such a nature, that of warning and conviction, why on earth does Scripture call it good news? Brood of vipers. Does that sound like good news to anybody? When someone addresses you and begins, you brood of vipers, what's coming after is going to be no picnic. But this was John's message because it was honest 
truth. It's what they needed to hear. And so I want the words that I speak this morning to be just as plain as the nose on my face. Here's the thing. The love of Jesus is calling you right now. God's mercy and God's grace are being extended to you at this very moment. And I'm speaking not only to the choir, but also to those of you who are watching on the live stream. God's grace is being extended to you at this very moment. The time is short, so don't tarry as you make your decision. Jesus is coming soon, and when He comes, He's going to sort out all the people. And it's not as complicated as you might think. There's just two groups. There's Christ followers, and then there's everybody else. It's really simple. Those who follow Christ, everyone else. When he comes, at that point, all of the human arguments for tolerance and diversity and universalism and inclusion, all those lofty words that we like to throw about, all of those human arguments will be null and void. For those who insist on perpetuating the lie that there is no absolute truth and that all religions are basically the same and that everyone can find their own way to heaven on their own terms, when Jesus comes, game over, that's it. This is basically what John the Baptist was telling the people. Repent. Why should we repent? Well, because when the Messiah comes, it's game over. Listen to this passage from Matthew 25. It's one you're familiar with. Consider carefully that our, our pride, our false humanistic sense of justice and equality, all of those things that the world says are right, they are worthless rags compared to the holy righteousness of a just and holy God. It's an inconvenient truth to be sure, but it is truth nonetheless. Listen to what Matthew 25 says, beginning at verse 31. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all of the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Let me make you feel better. Sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here's why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. 
Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he'll turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and say, Get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison and you never visited. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? He will answer them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. Then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. Here's the thing, church. The good news is that despite the bad news of our brokenness, despite our sin, despite the purifying, all-consuming fire of the wrath of a holy and just God and His judgment, which is surely coming with the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, despite the bad news, God's good news is greater. God's good news is mercy. God's good news is grace. God's good news is hope and light and peace. The thing about bad news is that bad news makes the good news all the sweeter. Like the darkness makes the light all the more bright. The, the seriousness of our sin and sickness make the glory of our redemption and hope all the more glorious. See, the good news is that as long as we can take a breath, as long as our heart is still beating, we can choose the good news. We can choose the light. We can choose our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so if we can boil John the Baptist's message of repentance down to a simple phrase, it would be, be a sheep, not a goat. Choose Jesus. It's the only way to heaven. Scripture tells me it's the only way. No one comes to the Father, Jesus said, but through me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.